I'd like to say good morning to everyone that's here. Uh, if you consider yourself a visitor, we're glad to have you here with us, and we hope that you feel welcome. And Randy and Diane, that y'all aren't visitors, so but we love to speak to you after the services and just to get caught up a little bit. So but it's good to have everyone here. Have you ever been deceived or lied to? How does it make you feel about the person that deceived you or lied to you? Or have you ever deceived or lied to someone? No, we're all Christians and that shouldn't be part of our lives. But how many times do those temptations come up in our lives? That could it have gotten easier if I just tell this little lie and go on? Could that make my life or that situation easier? If someone does lie to you or deceive you in some way, you still have that same confidence in their integrity. If you have lied or deceived someone, how does that make you feel? And how do you think that they feel about your integrity? Have you lost integrity with people? Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. To start with, I worked with a guy one time, and I tell you a lot of my work stories. I'm retired now, so they're stories. Uh, but uh, he worked for a, a 1-800 company, electrical company is what I would call it, because I tried to figure out, he was getting all these phone calls, and I was trying to figure out what he was doing, because he was working for me as a contractor. So I just asked him one day, I said, hey, where are you getting these phone calls? He said, yeah, I work for this company that's based in California, and it's a 1-800 number that people call from Dallas or this area. They call that 1-800 number. They don't know who they're talking to. They're just talking to a phone number. So then I work for that company. They call me and say, hey, you need to go over there and, and see what they need done or fix something or do something. I said, well, that sounds pretty good, but I said, how does all of that work? And he said, well, first thing I've got to do when I get the call, I call them, I set up an appointment, I go to their house, and the first thing I do, I say, we're doing electrical work, you know, that's what I did, and he says, I tell them that I come to check out their problem, so the first thing I'm supposed to do is go to their breaker panel and scare them to death, that they need a whole new panel board put in, which is a, probably about a, back then that was probably a, you know, $2,000 job or more whether they need it or not. He said, that was, that's part of the deal. I said, that doesn't sound right to me. He said, well, he said, just depends on how you want to get paid. And I personally couldn't get him out of my crew fast enough. I was like, man, this is not good. I, I really don't need people working 
for me like that. Didn't have, to me, it was not very, didn't have very much integrity. Well, I've kind of, I've been at home and thinking about this topic, I started watching some of this, uh, it's a uh, Texas law, it's a game wardens in Texas. And you know, what's funny to me is they show up, and if I'm going fishing or hunting, I'm going to try to learn all the laws and the rules and try to follow them as best I can to, you know, that, to know what's going on. Well, they seem to show up with these people fishing and hunting and checking licenses and stuff. First thing these people do is lie. It's one of the first things that they do is start lying. Well, I don't have my license with me or it's in my car. I left it at home. No, I didn't know that you couldn't keep this type of fish that's not this long. So what, what do you think the, those game wardens are going to do? I mean, they're thinking, these guys are just lying. So why are their integrity, they don't have any integrity. And I'm sure Sean and Aaron could probably, they've probably heard every lie you could imagine. And I, I've experienced people that lie to me at work about things, make mistakes. I've made some mistakes at work. But I always tried to own my mistakes. I tried to be honest about everything that I did. If I made a mistake, I admitted it. You know, I spent over 45 years at one company and... You don't do the kind of work that I did without making some mistakes. But the way I found the easiest way to not be there very long is to lie about it. I've seen people try to cover up things. And before I left, I had one good, a good group of guys that worked for me. And they were changing switches one time and one of them blew up. After I got the guy that was pulling the switch out, or he was actually putting it back in, after I got him calmed down and we got to talking and, you know, he said, this is what I was doing. So after we investigated what happened, sure enough, it wasn't him. It wasn't his fault. It was something that was left there years ago by the people that installed the gear. But he didn't try to run away from it. He didn't try to blame it on anybody else. Those guys showed me they had integrity in what they were doing. You know, I ran across this story about Teddy Roosevelt, and before I think he was president, he was a rancher. And one of his cowboys, they were out on the range, and his, one of his cowboys, they roped a maverick, a steer out there, and it didn't have a brand. So they lit a fire and prepared the branding iron this was open range, but the part that uh, the range that they were, were on was claimed by someone else, and one of, it was one of Roosevelt's neighbors, and according to the cattleman's rule, the steer belonged to him, to this other man, because of where it was. But as the cowboy was getting ready to apply the brand, Roosevelt said, wait, this should be 
Lang's brand. To which the cowboy said, that's all right. He said, but you're putting my brand on this deer. And the cowboy said, that's right. Roosevelt told him, he said, drop, drop that iron. He demanded, and he said, get back to the ranch and get out. He said, I don't need you anymore. He said, a man who will steal for me will steal from me. So this man, he destroyed Roosevelt's perception of his integrity. Cost him his job, his livelihood. So he had to go looking for a new job. We're all going to be faced with temptations to do things that can destroy our integrity. Whether it's at school, you younger ones that are in school, taking tests, doing things, you can do something and you can think, well, hey, if I just get this little piece of paper over here on the side, maybe I get some answers that I know and that I can use. Because I was a teenager once, so kind of know these things. But that can ruin your integrity. And it takes a long time to get integrity back. So in Proverbs 10 and verse 9, it tells us, it says, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. In Leviticus 19 and 11, it says, You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And in Luke 6, 31, it says, And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. So we should always try to be, have integrity in everything that we do. Let's walk uprightly before men. We don't want to deal falsely with people. Always be honest. Don't lie to each other. Because if you think about it, that's not, you wouldn't want people doing that to you. And you might be thinking, why are we talking about this? Not really talking about, are we, do we as Christians have a lack of integrity? I'm not talking about that this morning. But we're going to look at five ways that we can protect our integrity. That we can protect our reputations, our integrity with people. The first one was pursue humility. You know, we're all going to be vulnerable to making decisions that can damage our integrity. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But our first line of defense is to have a humble spirit. In Proverbs 16, starting in verse 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So pride will go before destruction. So we need to be humble about what we do. We make mistakes, sure, we're all going to make mistakes. But what they say nowadays is you need to own them, admit them. 
correct them. You know, this is also mentioned when Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And we find that in Jeremiah 17 and 9. Most of us believe nothing will happen to me or I would never behave like that or I won't fall. But we all need to remember and be aware that we're not, none of us are above temptation. We're always, Satan is out there trying to tempt us and trying to get us to do things that aren't right. In Micah 6 and 8, says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So we need to walk humbly with our God and let him guide our steps. But how do we develop humility? I think we should always examine our commitment to being humble every day. When we get up, we know that we're going to be faced with decisions to make. And Satan's going to tell us that no one, sometimes no one will ever know. Nobody will ever know if you just do this. But the truth is, God knows. And he's always with us. So we need to be a, have a humble spirit. Don't think that we can't be tempted and that we can't fall. Number two, we need to set up preventative measures to protect our integrity. We need to be diligent to protect our integrity. When we are at our best, we need to be preparing for our worst. Because you don't know when something's going to come up that's going to tempt you to the point of telling that, that lie or not accepting responsibility of something that you did. Maybe we need to get up first thing in the morning before we go to work or before we go to school and, and we need to tell ourselves that we're going to maintain our integrity, that we're going to do what's right, that we're not going to let the world creep into our lives in Matthew 26 and 41 it tells us says watch and pray that either you enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak so he tells us to watch and pray Jesus words there tell us to avoid the situations of temptation if we know we have a weakness or we have something that can tempt us, we need to avoid those situations. We need to be self-aware of the issues that we, str that we struggle with, that I struggle with. I need to be aware of those situations, those issues. We need to know ourselves, and we need to set up healthy boundaries. Set up healthy boundaries in our lives to protect ourselves from our weaknesses. This could be unhealthy dependencies on drugs, alcohol, pornography, the love of money, lying, stealing, anything that comes between us and our God. 
We need to be aware of those issues that we have, that are our weaknesses. And we need to put ourselves in positions not to have to battle that. We need to surround ourselves with people who will hold us accountable. It's not just whether you will give in or not. It's a matter of using wisdom to protect ourselves and our integrity. If you know you have an issue with a certain problem, find somebody that you can talk to that, that you can hold you accountable for that. And that when you see that problem arise, give that person a call. Talk to them. Tell them that you have... This has come up and that you're feeling, you're feeling weak. That way you don't have to do it alone. Protect your integrity. And number three. We should shield our eyes and guard our minds. If we're having problems with certain sins, let's shield our eyes, guard our minds from things. In Psalms 101 and 3, it says, I, they say, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. In Ephesians 6 and 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That helmet that we put on, Protects our minds, keeps it pure. Don't let those things creep in. Use the word of God to protect ourselves. Matthew 5 and 28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. You know, the scriptures are specific that the battle we're in is fought through our eyes and in our minds. We live in this world, but we should not be part of this world. What are some of the ways to shield our eyes and guard our minds? Monitor what you look at. Monitor your media, what you're looking at on TV or on the Internet. Analyze what is on your playlists. I know about playlists because I got girls. I don't have one, so I just see they all have them, and they go, "Hey, you know our playlist." And I go, "Well, let's hear some of them. Uh, maybe we ought to listen to that, one. you know, or something." I mean, but those are things that are popular now, that are part of our lives now. Be careful who you follow on social media. We've got to guard our minds and our thoughts and what we look at. Because when we sow a thought, it will eventually bring about an action. When a thought gets in your mind, sooner or later, some, you're going to act on it one way or the other. Either you're going to be able to put it out of your mind, or it's going to germinate and it's going to cause a problem.
Well, let's monitor what we do and what we put into our minds and, and in front of our eyes. And the fourth thing, let's focus on our relationships with Christ in our marriages and our families. Integrity is a heart issue. Therefore, we, we need to realize that just setting up boundaries doesn't protect your heart. We have to take action. We have to be intentional about growing and developing our relationship with Christ. The more we take this world out of our minds and fill it with Christ's Word, the Bible, Scriptures, being around other people that are Christians, those are actions that we need to take. You know, we're here and we have things scheduled pretty much something besides just coming to the worship service pretty much every week other than Sundays and Wednesdays. If you're not participating in those things, you're missing a great opportunity to strengthen yourself in fellowship with the good Christian people. If we're just going to come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, you're missing great opportunities to develop relationships that can help you in your life when temptations come. Because we don't get to know each other well enough. Leadership here has put these in place for that specific reason. It's not just to say, hey, we, you know, come and visit with each other. It's not that. It, it's there for a reason. It's there to help us grow in Christ, grow as a congregation, grow as a family at this place. So make it intentional that you get with God's people, that you meet with the, that you participate in those things. If we're married, let's grow that relationship also. Let's make sure our family's growing. Make sure that we're studying the Bible together. These boundaries that we set, they help balance our lives. You know, ways that we can ensure our families are growing and being balanced are praying together. Just spending time together. Share the events of the day with your children. See what they want, what they had going on that day. Study the Bible together. Have those conversations. When they bring them up, don't, don't shy away from them. Go ahead and confront those situations head on. Get good communication lines going. That they're not afraid to come to you and say those things and ask you those questions. That will help balance our lives. All of these things also, besides our immediate family, that's they apply to our family here in Christ. Those are the same things we need to, need to do together. 
Colossians 3, 23 through 25 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So whatever we do, let's do it with all we got. Let's serve our Lord. But let's also know that when we do wrong, that we will receive for the wrong that we did. And the fifth thing, let's remind ourselves of the ramifications of moral failure. If you just watch the news, which I don't watch news very much anymore. But if you watch the news or you pull up a Google feed or anything that's got news on it that you can read or watch, you can see how moral failures can destroy a person's integrity. And it can destroy lives of so many people around them, not just themselves. It says in James 1 and 15, it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So when we're tempted to lie or to deceive someone, just remember that if we let that germinate, When sin, those things, those ideas have, once they're conceived and sin begins, it brings forth death. We see the results of sin every day. And when we're faced with a temptation, we might find it helpful to think about the effects of our actions could have. What are the consequences? What are the effects of that action? Number one, we will be grieving the Lord. Think about one day having to face Jesus and give an account for that action. What about losing our credibility with our family? Or losing our self-respect? That we don't even respect ourselves because... We let sin creep into our lives. And credibility with our family could also, it's also credibility with our congregation and our Christian brothers and sisters. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 and 12, it says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our, of our conscience that in simplicity and good sincerity, in godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. When all is said and done, we all, we all want to say, I established boundaries. I guarded my mind. I walked in humility. 
and bless those that are closest to me. And who should be any closer than the family that we have at this place? Got a couple of lengthy readings, but I think the readings should be, would be a lot clearer than if Greg said it. So I'm going to have these readings, so if you would, bear with me, but we'll get through them. These are some clear biblical truths for, for, for maintaining our moral integrity. We're going to look at Titus 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not as false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to, their, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. There is no way that I could have said that any clearer. And in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolishness, foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolatry, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of, of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake. Thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I know those were lengthy readings, but I believe it's very plain what's expected. And if we can follow those things, that we will maintain our integrity. You know, we're all leaders in some way. We're either fathers or mothers, or we're leaders as people at our work, at school. Or we're leaders here at the congregation. Everybody is a leader in some, in some way. You are leading someone. Whether we're members here and these young ones and these little ones that we have, they're watching us. They're seeing our actions. We're leading them. Are we leading them with integrity? Are we leading our families with integrity? Our classrooms with integrity? If we'll, I know I haven't spoken very long, but I went through a speaker training one time here and they said to stand up, put up, and shut up. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, in conclusion, though, I hope these steps give us things to use when we are tempted to compromise our integrity. You know, when the girls were going somewhere that Kim and I were, weren't going with them, we would always remind them to remember who they are first and to remember whose they are. And to remember who everyone that they represent. They don't just represent themselves. They weren't going out to represent just themselves. The world knows you're a Christian. And they know your family. When you go out and you're out there with your friends and of the world, which you're going to be, just remember whose you are, who you are, and who do you represent? My prayer this morning is that we go out into the world after this assembly and we all remember who we are, whose we are, and who we represent. Because our ability to help grow the kingdom of God is closely tied to our ability to protect our integrity. That's what I've prepared for this morning. I hope it has been helpful. It was for me to study these things. If you have a problem, an issue that you would like the prayers of the church to help you with, or you need prayers just for, for encouragement, or whatever your case may be, or if you would like to be baptized into the body of Christ at this time, the water's ready, and we're ready to assist you with that. So if you'd come and have a seat on one of these front pews as we stand and sing the song of invitation.